Hey everyone, Tom here, Alf Metallica, back with yet another episode of the show. We're nearing the end of the show, as I've always been saying. And I've got to be honest with you, dear listeners, the show low-key has been building up to this point. Uh, today we're doing We Did It Again, which is Metallica's collaboration with Ja Rule and Swiss Beats. And it is a, <laughs> it's a glorious abomination that quite a few people didn't even seem to know. Like, you know, as always, at MetallicaPod on Twitter, I reach out to you guys and see what you thought of the song. And I've got loads of screeds to get into towards the end. But quite a few people weren't aware. It kind of slipped through uh, the periphery to a certain extent. So today, with myself and a guest, we're going to, you know, dissect that and just kind of scratch our head, really, at why this had to happen, but I'm kind of great as a relic of this new metal rap rock crossover era. It is quite a wonderful artifact. But just before we do all that, uh, at MetallicaPod, as I said, get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to hop on the show, you want to discuss something. Patreon and iTunes are there. If you enjoy and you want to give back, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can also go on to Patreon and help support us financially. All the episodes like this, like my compilation episodes where I collect all the albums that we've discussed before and put them in chronological order and scoop out the critical innards. Um, also, currently working on uh, my history of Metallica support bands you may have already listened to the first volume where I essentially go from the I guess technically the Ride the Lightning Tours when they had their first support support act from Tank so I go from there up until about the reload era and the second episode is going to go from the Garage Inc days all the way up until now so uh, yeah they'll go on Patreon there um, go on Spotify go on all the various audio platforms where we are and you know I'm not the first and certainly not the last Metallica podcast. There are dozens of us, I tell you, dozens. Obviously, everyone is aware of the big boys over there, Metal Your Podcast. I mean, they just had fucking James's guitar tech on there. That was uh, not only an, a fantastic interview, but also quite an emasculating experience listening to it as a Metallica <laughs> podcaster. And, you know, there's, there's loads of us out there that I always mention, and I love having the various guys on the show, you know, I spoke to Stephen over at Metallica. Obviously, I had Clint and Ethan. And today, Brandon from Metallicast. Brandon, how's it going? Hey, Tom. How's it going, man? I'm great. How are you? No, no, very well. And, you know, obviously, I listen to your show, and I want to push everyone in the direction show. I'm sure they're aware because it's quite, you know, sort of tight-knit family or whatever, and, and everyone sort of follows sure. and listens to each other. Like, um, give us a quick... Okay, let's start with you and Metallica before we get into the podcast then. I know you would have discussed this at length on the show, but maybe a play-by-play, like first time encountering them, how the fandom grew. Yeah, sure. So I first discovered the band from seeing the Inter Salmon music video on MTV. I have two older brothers. Oh, yeah. Um, so even though I was probably too young to be watching MTV at the time, because um, I was probably, I was like in kindergarten, first grade um, in 1991. You, you were like um, the little kid so... in the video, like in his bed. Like you, were, <laughs> you were like that age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm the old man, right, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, because my brothers would have MTV on in the background, um, you know, I just sort of heard Inter Sandman for the first time. And even at that young of an age, there was something that just hooked me in. Mm. And uh, I remember my, uh, I had a friend next door and he had an older sister and he swiped her black album cassette and we would, uh, listened to it and uh, I ended up recording it onto a blank tape and uh, it, it's funny because I remember being mad because there was not enough space on the blank tape so uh, the last songs on each side Don't Tread on Me and The Struggle Within were cut off <laughs> and then when I was in uh, third grade for my birthday I had a I had a friend another a different friend who's even though he was my age like you know seven years old let's say at this time Mm. um his parents 
let them do things that uh, at that time only older kids I knew yeah. could do, like watch rated R horror movies. And he had, you know, all the parental advisory albums and all these metal uh-huh. records. And uh, he got me uh, an official cassette of the Black Album. Um, and that was in third grade. That was my entry point into the band. And for the next few years, I thought that was the only Metallica album that existed. And uh, I remember vividly in sixth grade hearing Until It Sleeps on the radio. I was so excited that there was a new Metallica album coming out. Mm. And for Christmas in sixth grade, I got my first CD player and Load was my first CD. And I decided, you know what? I need more than one CD. So I went to my local record store and I was like, let me see what's in the Metallica section. I was like, whoa, there's like... Four other albums I never even knew existed. Uh, so I look at him like, let me get one. Let me get one. I chose the one I thought would piss my parents off the most. So I got Kill 'Em All. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> I brought it home. My mom was like, I'm not sure I want you listening to this, but whatever. <laughs> I put it on and I said to myself, what the hell is this? <laughs> this? I had the opposite reaction as most people when they heard load. I was like, this is not Metallica. Yeah. This yeah. Is Metallica, <laughs> yeah. <I know." laughs> um, but you know, I just slowly through middle school, uh, by the time I was in eighth grade, I had all the albums, I had the t-shirts and I was, uh, I was all in, so to speak. And, uh, the rest is history as they say. Uh, die hard ever since. Die hard ever since. I mean, they've, since then, they've been my all-time favorite band, and I've I've never wavered, um, despite uh, some things in their catalog, like the song we'll be talking about today. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the podcast as well. You know, you've been doing it for a little while now, right? A few years. Like I remember you coming around and you talked about the um, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Was that your first episode? Yeah, that was, uh, I think, episode two. So it was one of the first ones. Um, This December will actually be our two-year anniversary. So I feel like I've been doing this a lot longer, to be honest with you. I say that in a good way. But, um, you know, it's been an almost two-year run at this point. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Metal Up Your Podcast, and I saw you tweet them out, you know, uh, stop making me look bad. (laughs) Uh, Celebrating their 900,000 downloads. 900K. <laughs> I tweeted at them too before I saw your tweet. And I was like, "I'm only about eight hundred fifty thousand <laughs> downloads <laughs> <Yeah>. short." <laughs> you know, one of these days. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but obviously, they're the big boys. But uh, and oh, yeah. you know, I, I, what I like uh, to be honest with you, when I started Metallicast, which is the name of my Metallica podcast, um, I really was not familiar with your show or Mel Up Your Podcast, or and I, I mean, I assumed there was something out there because these days is a podcast for everything. Mm. Um, but I just sort of stumbled upon your shows once I started the Twitter account for Metallicast, which uh, I guess I'll plug real quick too, at Metallicast oh, yeah. pod, not to be confused with your Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> so people tweet me thinking they're tweeting you sure, and sure. maybe vice versa. But uh, um, but uh, it was great because I was like, oh, uh, there's already, uh, my initial reaction was, oh, there's already, you know, competing podcasts. And then I quickly realized, I'm like, no, we're not, really competing at all it's just a bunch of fans a yeah, bunch exactly. of, and it, it's a nice it's it's just a cool cool uh support system and we have a lot of crossover listeners and uh, a lot of the guests that i've had on um uh, my show um i think you've also had it on your show like um yeah you've had like uh, mick and kevin Colby right and, yeah yeah 
Nick Markoviak and Kevin Van Dam and mm-hmm. great guys. Um, uh, Tommy Frank. Oh who's yeah, my yeah, arch that, nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's the arch nemesis. We have a good okay, yeah. break going, but. <laughs> and you know, you are um, so, so you know, you've been in the band for a long, into the band for a long time, as we said. Do you remember we did it again, like happening at the time, or is this something subsequently you've learned of? I I do remember it happening at the time. Um, I I'm not sure I heard it right away, uh, but I do remember it happening. So this was during a really weird time in the band's history because mm-hmm. this was uh, before Saint Anger. It was after Jason Newsted left the band. It was after James Hatfield checked into rehab for the first time. Uh, so it was just sort of that period where Lars and Kirk were just sort of in limbo. And, you know, there was not a lot of news coming from the Metallica camp. Everybody was just sort of waiting, including, I think, Lars and Kirk during this time yeah. to see what was going to happen next. And uh, uh, unfortunately for us all, this was... Uh, one of the few news bits that came out during that time. <laughs> it's it's absolutely. It's still, I can't quite believe that this isn't a fever dream. That, that this is actually real. I mean, this is on Spotify. This is a this is a soundtrack song. Yeah. I should say. I mean, Metallica yeah. were kind of in their soundtrack bag to a certain extent back then because you know we just had I disappear. This is on a film yeah. that I you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm, you know, I'm into film. I kind of like obscure films. Of, you know, I like knowing what came out. What is I have no memory of biker boys this came out in 2003 about underground motorcycle drag races lawrence yeah. fishburne's in it and uh, kid rock as well weirdly <laughs> and it seemed to have been in the backwash of like fast and the furious and all that kind of street racing kind of idea 23 yeah. on rotten tomatoes do you do you remember biker boys at all <laughs> the only reason i've ever heard of this movie is because of this song of to be honest with you yeah. um and i think it's important to stress that it's Biker Boys with a Z. Oh, yep. <laughs> very, very new um, metal, very early 2000s. Like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, this was, you mentioned Fast and the Furious, and this was really uh, a second-rate Fast and the Furious, and for their soundtrack, it, it, if there's a second-rate uh, rap metal song, I, I guess this is it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, I always say the ugliest term in music on this show is post-grunge, and I think coming second is probably rap metal. You know, it, it can work. Like it can work, and I'm not like I know a lot right. of people don't like this song just because it's Metallica and rap. And people will be aware. I do. I, I battle rap resume is my main podcast. I'm heavily into hip hop, so for me, it's not necessarily that. Sure. I just, I just think it's a terrible mix between the two, and it's a precarious thing, really. You know, sometimes the guitar and rap yeah. can work. I think of Aerosmith or Amphrax, um, the Roots, right. and, and and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, you know, this is album '93 called the Judgment Night soundtrack, which is kind of rappers and rock bands teaming up. And that's quite a landmark record. But um, here, it's literally just Lars and Kirk offering up two, you know, lesser <laughs> cuts. Because it's just two riffs. Yeah. You know, it's like a rap song where it's just a, yeah. it's just a beat, really, that they're going over. And then just this ugly, turgid flow <laughs> of both. Like, you know, Ja Rule, he's the fire Festival guy. For me, this is right. the biggest disaster right. he's ever been involved in. <laughs> so it's funny when I was re-listening to... Uh... This song, because uh, I did torture myself since we're going to be torturing your listeners about this song. Um, I, I was going to ask you, what do you think is the biggest disaster uh, Ja Rule did this song or uh, 
a fire fest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, millions more dollars lost, of course, and more landmark Netflix documentaries made. Right. But yeah. just, you know, it's it, okay. So the song itself, okay, begins with, um, you know, the kind of that riff coming in, and it's just melodically really annoying. Yeah, we did it. It, it it's balanced badly. It's <laughs> yeah, like that louder hook as well. Because we have, you know, you have Jar Rule at the start. You have Swiss Beats as well. Swiss Beats being um, more of a producer, Dr. Dre type figure. This also featured on his 2002 album, I think, which was kind of you know him having lots of guest stars as, as they want to do. But um, yeah, I mean, I think from second one, it, it turns people off. It's not promising beginning. I mean, I think uh, I, going back to the riffs, right? Yeah. So you, you mentioned these are like kind of two leftover riffs, and that's a or that's what they sound like. And that was I saw you tweet out to everybody that was sort of uh, a lot of the feedback. It sounds like it was just like taped together, yeah. but that's exactly what the song is. Mm-hmm. It's a taped together demo, basically, of unused Metallica songs from the Presidio sessions. Um, you know, the sessions where they deemed like these songs are not um, good enough for us or we're not interested in pursuing these songs once James is out of rehab. We're going to start fresh. They took two of those riffs and we got this. <laughs> yeah, Frankenstein. I mean, the, the main with the bam, 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 like the first riff, the, 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 the main hook's over. Yeah. I kind of can imagine that on a Metallica song. However, the second one, the burner, 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 but is quite hip hoppy and bouncy, isn't it? It doesn't really, I don't think that could have fit on, say, Angle or Reload, the, the riff that uh, Jar Rule does all his verses about being on his motorbike too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. There is a nice bounce to mm. the riff, and it does. That, that's probably the one good thing I can say about this song is that there, the riff does lend itself to this type of song, yeah. um, especially in that hook. The, mm-hmm, you know, it, it it definitely lends itself to a rap metal song. It's but what is what Jarul puts over that riff is nauseating. It's yeah, it's just gibberish. It re- um, <laughs> It really is. It's like, it's the lowest common denominator. I love fast cards, fast broads. I'm a rock star <laughs> baby. And then he says, I'm going to hit the yeah. highway on my Harley. Do about 30. It's like, I think that's under the speed limit. Like, <laughs> I don't really understand oh, had, what you're bragging about. Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're hitting the highway on your Harley. 30's not that fast, bro. <laughs> you're endangering people. Like, what the and you know, it's just you yeah. might want to step on the gas. Yeah. People are, you know, breaking behind you. <laughs> you know, it's just it, it is really, really because it's like if he just threw down this incredible verse, at least it's this odd, dissonant bit of art. But it's just you know, it's it's like a lot, you know, a lot of Kirk's guitar playing at the time. It's just really just relying on on cliches and you know, it talks about lo- rock and roll, a bit of soul, da 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 da. Um, Hetfield is in this tune, which makes me think that you know they had recorded a little bit of melody or little lyrics for it. Uh, more than this, never more your whipping boy. And um, I, you know, I know you've seen it. That footage where they're in the studio. There's like a yeah. 10 minute clip, by the way, people, of them doing this song, which I'd never seen until like this morning. It's from like the some kind of monster offshoots with them with Bob and everyone in, in the studio. And um, there's a moment when Lars suggests that maybe Ja Rule should sing some of James's lyrics, which isn't a bad idea to tie it all together. <laughs> However, yeah. the idea of Whipping Boy is just cringe. And, and you know, Lars and Sense of Humor, Lars <laughs> understands straight away that that was the wrong foot forward. Like, well, yeah. Um, if that whole clip is pretty uncomfortable yeah bob <laughs> rock's body language it, he's very closed down yeah he doesn't want it yeah i got that you can just go 
And the crackheads is off. We good, we good. If this isn't a fucking rock and roll moment, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Let's go! Kurt! Kill him! Hit the strings on him! Now break it down! Break it down! The look on, the just like you said, his body language from the start is like, it just reads, it's like, I'm not sure this is what we should yeah. be doing. And when you have Lars and Kirk come in after that, Kirk looks very uneasy and uncomfortable with the whole thing. And it, it's like he's forcing himself to like it. He's like, he yeah. the whole time he's trying to sell it for himself. He's like, yeah, this is this is good. Yeah, no, I really think this. And Lars seems to be the only one that maybe generally is into the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Lars have a lot has a lot of progressive tastes. You know, he might have still had his record label at this point that that he started with. Though, you know, and had I think he signed like two right. drum and bass DJs, or whatever his first thing. But yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Kirk and Bob are kind of dead eyed, nodding, and Lars is quite swept up in it. And you you get you get an insight into the creative process. You see swiss beats writing the main hook and you know he has a producer sort of ear for it he talks about this is something the lakers could play and it's like it gets really like gangster like there's like a dice game in there and like everyone's like smoking blunts and like it's crazy you, you never see metallica in this environment like so they are basically in two separate recording mm. studios for those of you who've not seen the clip and i'm assuming ja rules on the east coast probably in new york and uh you know, Metallica is obviously in the West Coast in California. And so they're ja Rule's doing his thing in his studio. And just like you said, Tom, it's uh, blunts, gambling, money everywhere. It, it, yeah. it It's basically a rap music video. But uh, during this video, ja Rule is just recording what is the worst rap song. Oh <laughs> really just, yeah. I mean... The lyrics are to go back to the lyrics for a moment. Uh, they, they're like a bad hair metal song, um, yeah. just like hip hopified. If if, uh, if that makes sense, yeah, at all. yeah, no, But sorry. it's like if you took a really corny, bad Motley Crue song, like everything the band was against in the eighties, uh -huh. this is what uh, this is like the two thousand two. 2003 version of it <laughs> totally totally it's like it's it's one of the nadirs of like that new metal rap rock idea like it's one of the very worst things because you know like a year or so later we'd have linker park and jay-z collision course which which was giant and you know and a huge success yeah. and really worked it to both of their strengths no matter what you think about it you know um received really well yeah but this is just so like you know for me it's like um you know we did it again. It's like a like we really did this. Like you should rue that. Like you know what I mean. Like should, there's no pride that should be engendered into yeah. it. And the, you know, there's some cool moments because Kirk throws down a solo and it's just kind of a Kirky solo, or whatever. But it's quite cool when it sort of pulls out and you see Swizz Beats just kind of watching him do it. And there's this kind of idea right. in it. And um, the song, you know, a lot of metallic songs have this problem. A lot of songs in general have this problem. You know, it's a long song, and two-thirds of the way into the song, you've heard everything it's got to offer, so now you're just getting regurgitated choruses and riffs, which, to begin with, aren't that interesting. I mean, the, it's inexcusable, yeah. isn't it, really, Brandon, that this song is almost five minutes long? Yeah, this could have easily been... Uh, if this song has to exist, you could have easily shaved off, a, let's say, two minutes. Mm. Uh, it could have easily been like a three minute song. I mean, the verses repeat. And I mean that literally like the words do not even change. They were too lazy to even come up with uh, new BS <laughs> words that you know, it, it's just the same crap 
they literally do it again and again and again (laughs) they do they do and it's just yeah nauseating as you said before is kind of spot on really and um yeah there's not much in this track beyond that like hetfield comes in again with something else the um rip that smile off your face uh you know and it kind of pounds down and like you say the cliche just when you thought it was over just when you thought we were done just when you thought it was safe now yeah we did it we did it again it's like come on guys like and there's no connection to Hatfield's parts and Ja Rule's part. I mean, it which on some, a certain level makes sense because the Hatfield's parts were pre-recorded. Like I said, you know, like we said, this was part of a Metallica demo, uh, and they just kind of sampled it and threw the rap track over. But they made no no uh, effort to connect thoughts at all. So you have you know the lines Hatfield says, like you were saying, "Nevermore, you whipping boy." and rip that smile right off your face Uh and it has uh absolutely nothing to do with fast cars fast broads and driving at an incredibly slow pace on your harley yeah (laughs) it has nothing to do with anything you know (laughs) it is yeah yeah it just it it, it's so randomly thrown together and it's so haphazard and you know yeah fine it was on a soundtrack record and i think but this metallic song was like the the third one on there or something it wasn't really for it peaked at number 98 on the top uh r&b and hip-hop albums this came out in 2003 and you know there's some good people like most def was on there and uh, oh, Pop, oh, Papa Roach and NERD also did a collab, so maybe that was kind of what they were going for, or slightly. I don't, I don't really right. know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, these things well, don't go together. Well, and that's why I think this is the worst thing Metallica's ever recorded because it, it's not for me. It's not the fact that they uh, collaborated with a rapper. Hmm. Um, it's, it, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a huge hip-hop fan but i I like some hip-hop and you know i i can appreciate it and especially the the ones who just really do it well and but this is just not done well the rap is garbage it the lyrics are trash the the riffs are just i mean they're generic riffs that would not have made it on an actual metallica record it Uh never did uh, for a reason um it, it it this is why I rate it even lower than something like Lulu because no matter your opinion on Lulu, I can appreciate it and respect it for what it is, and I do believe that whether you like it or not, art was made. I don't know if art was made <laughs> with Ja Rule uh, for this song, yeah. and yeah. obviously that's um you know that's subjective but i'll stand behind what i said <laughs> and uh, as we always do guys we reach out to you at metallica pod mti says i suspect this is going to be the one metallica original or collaboration where everyone is going to be like wait this existed and yes yes it did i can't even remember what it sounds like honestly which may be a good thing uh keith saying i followed the band for 35 years unaware how do i find it ralph's ralph's wife initially took over his twitter and said what the fuck is this assault on my ears i also have never heard this before now it feels like just noise until it slows and james comes in with his vocals i'm a dancer and i cannot figure out how to dance to this besides having a seizure this is worst in the wow worst in, in the worst possible way and then ralph saying uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure my faith in mankind has been irrevocably shattered by having just have suffered through that entire song in quotation marks i must cleanse my soul now through the healing properties of pretty much any of metallica song uh and he's saying the riff was throw away and should have stayed that way instead they gave it to swiss beats to lay some lame beats over it while jarrell vomits something resembling 
crap all over the proceedings. It's just god awful and should never been committed to tape. Savaplay Podcast <laughs> says, I'd never heard this until tonight. My god, you are paying your dues with this one, Tom. A dog shit collaboration. <laughs> Did Metallica even give them the stems? It sounds like they smash cut a demo tape into Audacity and wrapped over it. Jack Chambers of Alan the Show, if you don't saying this song has become a running joke in my band. We have regularly jammed out covers of it in the practice room. It is, however, one of the worst songs ever recorded. Truly, truly awful. Phil says, I think the less said about this song, the better. So congrats in advance on your shortest episode ever. And Darren says, <laughs> <laughs> and Darren says, I hope this is on the set list Aftershock 2020. I mean, we always speculate at the end of the episodes, you know, maybe they'll bust this song off or whatever. This is never, like, even if Ja Rule and Swizz no, were down no. for some ironic 40th anniversary, whatever. Yeah. I, I think this song is too hated. Yeah, uh, there's, we, I, I feel pretty confident saying we will you will never hear this song again unless you seek it out and listen to the studio version yeah 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 yeah. we're not, we're not gonna get a biker boys 20th anniversary box set no where no. yeah, yeah. Um, if we do it's truly the end of days yeah 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 no no that would herald <laughs> you know yeah the apocalypse would be nice certainly if uh if that was yeah. coming out and again guys um, I'll put the link down below. There is basically a 10-minute mini-documentary about Metallica and Swizz Beats and Jarl putting together this crossover project. So check that out. You know, there's lots of cool footage check it in out. there. I did find, Tom, a couple quotes here okay. from Swizz Beats and Lars okay, um, yeah. that will tie in with that clip. Uh, so Swizz Beats said, this, uh, just for a reference point, this was posted on Metallica.com June 2002. Hmm. So... Uh, Swiss Beat says, I knew I wanted to do a rock and roll track, and I knew I wanted to get the biggest act possible to do it, but I never thought in a million years that I'd be working with Metallica on this. They had two songs already that I really liked. I took those and combined them into one song. Then I called Joe Rule and told him I needed him to be on what could be the biggest song of his career. <laughs> <laughs> I told him to guess who'd be working with on it, and he was naming all these people he thought it was. And finally said, it's Metallica, and he said, hell yeah, this song is a blessing. When people hear it, they won't believe it. Well, that last part. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> Very prophetic. And, and yeah. Lars says, yeah, Lars says, I, and I got to agree with Lars uh, in this quote, even though I don't think of the way that he meant it. I've never heard anything quite like that. <laughs> it sits in a different place than anything else I've heard. I've never heard anything that sits right where this sits. And that's pretty cool. Other than the pretty cool part, I gotta say, yeah, this sits where no other Metallica song sits, like, deep within my bowels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, obviously never been played live, goes without saying, and the, it interestingly does have an entry on Metallica.com, and it does show that it's on the Swiss Beats and on the Biker Boys release, and shows that, uh, Dean and Atkins, the surname, so I guess that's Swiss and Jarrell, along with Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett, but no lyrics! I mean, okay, maybe they're not going to print yeah. his lyrics, but not even the hook lyrics. You'd think it was an instrumental if you saw it. Like, that's an interesting decision, isn't it? Like, I don't know why they did that. I agree. I because I went to Metallica.com knowing that they have the lyrics on there, because mm. I really wanted to dive in for your listeners right. into this poetry. I mean, they even have the lyrics of the mechanics on Metallica.com, mm. and if you've ever read Dave Mustaine's lyrics for that, I mean, they're just they're just a a, a couple 
levels above these. So. Yeah. It's, come on in, baby, bring some friends. We're having a party tonight. I'm bringing juice and gin. So, you know, okay, the little little snoop reference. You'll yeah. beat your head. Swiss, we did it again. And then, then Whipping Boy coming in. Born in the USA, Harleys, Fasca. You know, it's just ticking yeah. off all these cliches. Kind of like, you know, how all country songs seem to be about looking at the stars and being in line for punch at prom and being in the back of your pickup right. truck. You know, it, it, it's just kind of that. It's just not shelling out any new information. Um, any Enough. I was just going to say, nothing says party like juice, gin, weed, and whipping boys. Am I right? I mean, let's get this party started. Uh-huh. Let's let's uh, get the whipping boys up in here, and let's do it again and again and again. <laughs> any, uh, any final thoughts on We Did It Again? Well, I... It, the sad part is, Tom, is that uh, I've actually did a whole episode on this song on my podcast. Um, I had a guest on, Richard S. He, who's a music journalist, and we did a track-by-track breakdown of St. Anger. And mm-hmm. I said to him, oh, it might be fun to do like a mini episode about We Did It Again. Um, and, you know, I'll just release it later. It was not fun for either one of us. Right. Um, and we ended up, the song's so bad that we ended up somehow talking and making fun of it for like 40 minutes. So it was not much of a mini episode. <laughs> I mean, this is just, uh, I'll just repeat what I said already, which is this is the worst song Metallica's ever recorded. Um, it does not have any redeeming qualities to me other than, I guess like, I, I guess it has a catchy hook. I mean, after I re-listened to it today, uh, I was singing, uh, yeah, you mean we did it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does have a, it does have a catchy hook. I'll mm-hmm, give them that. Mm-hmm. But the riff is mostly generic. The lyrics are cliche, like you were saying, Tom. It's just it it, it just sounds like somebody took a. It sounds like a YouTube project somebody would do. They took a Metallica riff, yeah. and just did like their own bad rap over, like in the basement of their house. And the mix is very bright and brash as well. Even if maybe you enjoyed it, it's kind of quite exhausting to listen to. It's just terribly kind of put together. Yeah, and like you said, it just runs too long. Like too even long. when I was re-listening to it this morning, like I'm like, oh, I'll re-listen to that song because it's only going to be like a couple minutes of my life. No, I had time to like get laundry out, mm-hmm. go upstairs, get a drink of water, come back downstairs. It was still playing. I'm like, this is. To put it in perspective, this is only two or three minutes shorter than Master yeah. Puppets. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of heresy to include both of those in the same sentence, but but, but it is, yeah. It's, it's yeah. actually quite a long Metallica song with, with, with nothing going on at its core. But uh, we'll close with a few quick-fire questions. Um, what is your all-time favorite Metallica song? Ooh, I gotta go with Master Puppets. Favorite song off my favorite album. Mm, I mean, I, I can't, just undeniable, isn't it? Like Bohemian Rhapsody levels of genius, that song. Absolutely. And if somebody out there had never heard of Metallica before, I mean, that's the song I would play for them because I just feel like it sums up everything Metallica does so well in a nice little eight minute package. It has the powerful rips, the beautiful melodies, the, you know, the lyrics that are go a little bit deeper than your some of your typical metal lyrics especially of the era it's mm-hmm. it's catchy it you can it, all you want to do is go master master oh, yeah. it has heavy parts it's groove parts it's slow melodic part it just has everything packed into it and even the mistakes like in the guitar so made that studio mistake it's the most beautiful mistake ever yeah. made in a recording studio it's just a perfect song 
And I mean, your favorite album you said before, Master, right? Yeah, definitely Master of Puppets. I just feel like that's the song, or that's the album rather, that it just, it, it you know, if Ride the Lightning laid the blueprints for it all, the Master of Puppets perfected it. Mm-hmm. And even with, um, you know, their most recent albums, uh, Death Magnetic especially, like I, I like that album, but it's trying to recreate um, the format that Master Puppets perfected back in 1986. Favorite member of the band? I got to go with Cliff Burden. I am a, a bass player. Um, and so when I was discovering bass in high school, he played a huge role in um, in me discovering the instrument, you know, trying to learn anesthesia, pulling teeth on my own and learning the dun, 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 bass mm. part in Orion. And I just remember like sitting in my room with headphones on, and like a couple tab books or and just trying to figure it, it all out on my own when I was just learning. And um, uh, it, it, and just a, as a side note, the, I, I just saw S&M 2 in theaters and the wow, the anesthesia there was uh, probably the highlight of the show for me. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was a spine tingling moment, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it left me. um I did a reaction mini episode on uh, for Metallicast, but um, you know the first half I thought was solid. I thought it was good, but that second half, especially um, the opening with you know the classical songs, and then the one, two, three of uh, Unforgiven Three, and um, All Within My Hands acoustic and Anesthesia. I that that whole section of the show just left me. Uh, kind of speechless. It was just really, really well done, and I love that the band just sort of took things in um, in a different direction. You know, they it, it amazes me that they can push themselves the way they the, the way that they do at this point in their career, especially um, when it's a twenty when on paper it's just a twentieth anniversary show for something that they did well, obviously twenty years ago. <laughs> you know, so it was just really well done. I thought and. Um, and Scott Pigel, who did the solo, I just thought was he—he he just if he it—he it, just sold it really, really well in both his playing and his performance. Um, it's just really excellent. And seeing the band live, how many times have you seen them? Ooh, let's see. Um, I, I'll give a guesstimate about ten or so times. My first time was on the first Summer Sanitarium tour. Um, in 2000, was it 2000? Uh, might've been 2000 or 2001, whatever that was. So I was able to catch Jason Newstead before he, like right before he left the band, whether it was 99 or 2000, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so that was cool. And, uh, I've seen them, you know, kind of, a at least a couple times on each tour since then. Um, I've seen them in some one-off things like, uh, you mentioned before the episode I did, uh, episode two of Metallicast for anybody willing to, uh, who wants to check it out. I went to the rock and roll hall of fame when they got inducted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so saw them perform there. Um, so I've had a lot of cool opportunities to, um, to see them. And so I would say about 10. And what was the best time? Oh, that is hard. Um, I would say in terms of moments, I would say uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because that was just such a unique moment. Um, Obviously, it was on a full set. They did Master Puppets and Jasamine. And then the coolest part was they – well, 
the one cool part was they performed it with Jason and Robert both on bass. Mm. Uh, so it was cool seeing Jason perform again, especially alongside Robert Trujillo. Uh, but the really cool moment was the all-star jam at the end. They did train kept the rolling and it was a who's who. I mean, they had, um, I'll probably forget people, but they had, um, Jeff Beck, Joe Perry, flea, um, Ron Wood from Rolling Stones. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was just it's a rocky, it was just yeah. a really cool moment in terms of actual Metallica shows. I think one of the best times I actually saw them was um, the first run of uh, the current World Wire tour um, at MetLife Stadium. I just thought uh, the sh- it was it had been several years since I see them, so the, it, as well as for everybody there because it had been several years since the tour. So it was, it was a really hot crowd. It was near the beginning of the tour. So it was a, the first time or one of the first times we were hearing a lot of the new Hardwire songs. And I really like that album. And I just think the band is really bringing it these days. I, I think they're um, playing some of the tighter shows that they've played in years. And, uh, I mean, obviously you do a Metallica podcast, but if you do a podcast on another band that you love, what, what's a band you'd like to cover? Ooh, that is hard. Um, I have, you know, a lot of interests out there. Um, I, I, and I kind of am a little bit varied. Uh, if I had to do another podcast, I think I would go with something outside of the metal world. Um, I do have a second podcast already that I do with my friend, mm. but it's not like a consistent thing uh, called Corpse Paint Podcast. It's like a goofy, let's drink beer and talk black death metal. Sure, sure. <laughs> it, it, it's not a very consistent thing. It's sort of like when we have time, we throw yeah. one out there. Um, if I had to... Uh, pick another artist i'd probably go in the direction of somebody like um a nick cave and the bad seeds mm. where i just feel like uh they have such a deep discography to dive into and so in one song i mean he's one of my favorite lyricists and you can just really I, I could spend you could spend a long time just dissecting his words of one song um and he has a lot of variety in his sounds um so i think that would be a fun one to do a deep dive into yeah, that's a good shout. I've not. I'm a huge Tom Waits obsessive, and everyone always yeah, tells me, you know, everyone always yeah. says like, you know, Waits and Nick Cave, like they are kind of simpatico on a certain level. And uh, yeah, I've not listened to too much of his solo stuff, but his soundtrack work, Nick Cave, is astonishing. He's a genius. Yeah, he's one of those rare people that he seems to, like he can do it all. He can, mm. you know, he he writes he books composes, and like screenplays. He writes books. And, yeah. Exactly. Right. And, and this is not like, you know, I can write a screenplay. Anybody can write. But no, he writes legit Hollywood screenplays. Oh, yeah, yeah. And good movies. Good, the, the Proposition is a great movie. film. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, he's just sort of can do it all. He's just a very articulate guy. Um, and he, in recent years, he's he's always had this sort of mystery around him, um, which I've always really liked. And in recent years, he's sort of um, started kind of taking some of the mystery away, but in a way that I also really like because he's been doing it through a lot of fan Q and A's and has opened up a lot more about um, his music and his lyrics. And um, it's sort of like a, a modern day James Hatfield where he's, you know, in recent years he's talked more about his lyrics and uh, been more open to get a little bit more personal with the fan base. I feel like, Um, and Nick Cave's sort of been the same way and and he's, uh, uh, so it's, result in a really cool connection with the fans and his recent albums um if 
uh, if anybody out there cares, his recent albums are among the best in his career. He's sort of having like a, a second wave of um, genius, so to speak. All right. Um, so I guess finally, you know, the podcast yourself, is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh, just Metallicast. You can find the show uh, probably anywhere you find Tom's show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, pretty much anywhere. Um, you can find the show on social media at MetallicastPod. Uh, so if you look up Tom, just add a T. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and if you, I think if you like Tom's show, you'll like my show because uh, obviously you're a Metallica fan. Yeah. And some shows I do by myself. Um, but I have a lot of guests on. Uh, some guests are you've already heard throughout Metallica, so uh, you'll be familiar with them. So check it out. Download, subscribe. If you can leave me a positive review, then even better. Yeah, yeah. We'll put the uh, put the links down below for the show. Definitely check out the show as well. Um, maybe don't check out this song, but certainly check out the 10-minute <laughs> making of. Uh, I'm sure any fan worth their salt will be intrigued by that. And it really is kind of a real kind of acute look into just some terribleness being churned out and just all the people yeah, just uh, seemingly unwilling <laughs> and just want it to happen because you know whatever it's on the biker boy soundtrack that's really important for uh for some reason but yeah this has been tom as always follow us at metallica pod metallica pod at gmail.com uh patreon is there itunes all that sort of stuff uh we've got some cool songs coming up as well next week we'll be tackling we're a happy family uh, getting phil back on to do the final ramones track uh, we did tomorrow your love today the world which is a really fun episode as well uh then doing sanitarium and when a blind man cries where the wild things are wherever my roam and the final three songs whiplash whiskey in the jar and you really got me so uh yeah guys we've got about another month or so of the show left and you know of course the show is going to continue beyond that as well but of the original run i mean but um brandon thanks for your time this has been a great one thank you so much for having me on uh since I've uh, started Metallica, people have been like, when are you going to be on Tom's show? When are you going to be on Tom's show? I'm not sure they meant for me to be on talking about this song. Right, yeah. But <laughs> but it happened, and I'm glad that I did. No, this, yeah. Uh, the first run of this show is almost over, so I kind of just uh, sneaked right in there. No, no, no. No, it's, yeah, definitely meaning to have you on for a long time, so I'm glad we got to do this. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, guys. And, Brandon, thank you again. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom.